0: my What's up everyone seven Octobers here with another episode of Nightmare on Cedric Avenue. Um, this is season five, episode 17. Um, so had a lot of dope guests so far. Um, and today I have another uh, local actually guest um, who I've been trying to get on the podcast. I'll give like a kind of brief intro of who he is and how i came across his page so i think uh, i was on instagram and i follow a couple pages i think it was the adams avenue theater here in san diego and i saw that there's been screenings here um and i kept seeing like the name popcorn reef pop up and i was like okay so i started following them and then um i hit up uh the the main person that um pretty much runs the page with just Eddie, who I'm going to have as a guest today. Um, he does film screenings and he's kind of branching out to other venues as well. So I'm going to have him on today so he can talk a little bit about, you know, his journey and all that. And he also has a connection with the hip hop world too, which we'll get into. So without further ado, hey, Eddie, how you doing?
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, thank you for for coming on today.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. Gabby. this is really cool.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, And I kind of like to start it off a little bit. I don't know if you want to kind of start a little bit with your journey, because as far as like maybe like what what made you fall in love with film in the first place?
1: Yeah, um, I've been in love with film since I was probably four or five years old, something like that. And I, I think when I look back at a lot of my early, early memories, they involve weird movies that like, probably should have been have been watching when i was like four or five years old so movies like total recall and uh, robocop and oh, yeah. like, kind of bizarre i guess that's both paul verhoeven stuff but like bizarre things that like i saw at an age where i think that i was still kind of trying to figure out what the world was in general so mm-hmm. it made me feel a certain way and i've been kind of trying to understand those feelings i think still um to this day and that's what i find cool about movies now as i've yeah my own personal journey and looked at you know what this stuff actually is all about like it's it's cool to look back and see what kind of leaves an imprint on you
0: yeah. And who, like, was in your fam? Was it somebody in your family or a friend that got you into movies? Or who was, like, that person that got you kind of, like, watching movies for the first time, if you remember?
1: I think that everybody in my family is really into movies. Yeah. Um, and, like, so my mom and dad were both into movies a lot. And they told me that I, like, almost taught myself how to read by, like, looking at the newspapers oh. of, like, <laughs> yeah. back. This is, I was born in 1988. So, like, back in, like, 1993 or 1992 or something yeah, like yeah. that, I was trying to figure out when the movie would play somewhere. So I looked at the newspaper ads and, um, so they were taking me to movies and someone yeah. was playing. Road <laughs> it's probably my dad. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We've all been, and my sisters all really, are really into movies as well. And a lot of them have worked professionally in the entertainment industry too. So
0: oh that's pretty cool yeah i I can relate to that too because we were like a huge like movie family too like especially like the younger generation probably won't ever get to like uh feel like the the going to like on a fridays to like the video store you know like you know hollywood yeah. video or blockbuster like that was our our thing to do like on the weekends is like pick a movie and then just you know watch it for the rest of the weekend or pick a couple movies you know to rent out that was like the fun part of like it's getting one cheese. time yeah. And I always wanted to work there, and I was like, I never got the opportunity. But uh, <laughs> And what movie, like, because you mentioned, like, Robocop and stuff like that, like, what movie you think uh, made you, like, for sure, like, you know, I was like, I love movies. Like, what was what's your standout movie that stands out my to you?
1: Favorite, I mean, I have, like, a lot of favorite movies, so I yeah. don't even know if I would say it's, it probably is my favorite movie anyway, but, like, I'd say that Billy Madison is my okay. favorite movie. And that was another movie that I watched, I think, for the first time in, like, kindergarten or maybe second grade Uh um and it i've been watching it still and it's i still think it's as funny as it was when i first saw it but that movie made a big impact on me another one was bad boys the first bad boys yeah actually i'd say bad boys 2 is one of my favorite movies now but when the first bad boys came out when i was in i think third grade Mm -hmm. um it was such a big like a giant like spectacle of a movie and everybody was talking about it with, at school even though none of us really were like able to see it yeah. and it seemed like a big deal because i think fresh prince was out and you know we'd watch that every week on tv and it was like whoa this kind of r-rated like action movie with will smith looks really cool and, but i can't see it that yeah. was part of it too so i think that kind of built up a, a big fear inside of me
0: that's cool um and what made you like because obviously I just mentioned in the intro that you you do film screenings right um yeah. and what got you into doing that or like how long have you been doing it and what got you into wanting to do that
1: so I've been doing these just by myself just starting this year early 2023 um but I've been working I've been the marketing manager at Cinematic Void going on like three years now okay. and Cinematic Void is I'd say one of the biggest cult film screening series in the world. And um, I was lucky enough to join the team back during the pandemic. Okay. Um, and before that, I'd been going up to L.A. a bunch and going to the cinematic void screenings and also the Beyond Fest screenings, um, the stuff that the American Cinematech was doing yeah. up there is just really something else. And there's nothing like going up to Los Angeles and the magic of going into those Old school theaters and watching something especially like on a film print um especially for me living in san diego like the trek up there and the trek yeah. back is kind of a um, really like it makes it even that much more special mm-hmm. um so there was something about the spectacle that kind of got recreated for me of and that's kind of i i've said that like on our description on our website and stuff it's really kind of about the spectacle of movie going more that's what i'm trying to do with popcorn reef and i think that all film screenings series that do that or you know do that well because you know a movie is a movie and you can watch it at home and you'll feel a certain way from it but if you can create kind of like what you were talking about with going back to the video store or whatever that feeling was where during the time when movies were larger than life rather than you know now where it's it's kind of even if there's a really awesome movie that comes out it does feel a little disposable just because It's it comes out and then something else comes out the next week. And, you know, I mean, I'll go to the movies and see new movies sometimes like four or five times a week. So I'll have a lot of awesome experiences and I'll love the movies. And I mean, there is a little bit of difference in the movies themselves, too. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like, oh, my God, I saw something that just kind of changed my life. Really. There's not really enough time to process that in today, the way that things are coming out today. And then they throw this stuff on streaming without you being able to see it in a theater. Yeah, that and is true. I've got, got a laundry list of things I need to do rather than being in awe of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's important, too, like, the importance, because I just had, like, Trash Max and uh, See It on 16 millimeter. I told them, like, the importance oh, of, like, showing awesome. films, right? Like, shout out to them as well, like... Because um, I feel like um, it's a different experience. Like I've always gone to the theater, so like that's like a like my happy place is what I call it, one of my happy places. Um, yeah. And it's just like a whole different experience. Because I noticed like now with phones, like back in the days we we didn't really have phones, so it was not like you could watch TV and pay attention. But now what I noticed, and I don't know if it happens to you, is like I'll be watching something on TV or streaming, and like I catch myself like scrolling on my phone. I'm not even paying attention yeah. to what I'm watching. But when I'm at a theater, like you're kind of forced to like put your phone away and just kind of experience the film and it's just a different experience.
1: I completely agree. And I'm guilty of the same thing. I was doing that last night and it's yeah. like, Oh, there's a boring part. Okay. I'm going to, and then I missed something and then I rewind it. And it's like, yeah, what am I doing? like take the phone away from me, please. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's why I think it's like important, like that you're doing that and it's pretty dope. And um, another thing too is, what what have you found because i know you just kind of started a little bit but i mean you wor- you've been working with like cinematic void what's one of the things that you like enjoyed so far about screening films and what's like one of the hardest things that's been the most difficult i guess you can say you
1: know i've enjoyed with cinematic void i've enjoyed the whole process because i don't actually pick the films jim who owns and runs cinematic void picks and does all the programming there so normally by the time that the screening comes around and if i'm up there in la I get to sit back and actually watch the movie. Um, but what I have not enjoyed, particularly since I've been doing these on my own, has been the part of, you know, me actually sitting down and watching the movie, even though it's fun for me to, like, come up with the idea for the screening and it's fun for me to pick the trailers before and all that. Like, uh-huh. it has not been the same, especially if i just re the movie to kind of make sure I still want to show it or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's not, especially also you know i've got kind of 100 different things going on at once while we're doing the screening i might not be able to sit down and watch the movie
0: mm-hmm. kind of
1: sucks not being a participant in the audience i guess <laughs>
0: yeah
1: i kind of frustrating about it
0: yeah that is true yeah because you're like you have to make sure you know the show is running smoothly and you know all that stuff especially if you're doing it on your own which is like another you know huge feat um and what's your favorite movie so far that you've screened and why
1: um, let's see. That's a good. Good question. Let me, t- let me think about it. Um, <laughs> no worries. Really good question. I would say, well, so far, really the like dream screening that we did so far that I honestly had in my head since the beginning of trying to do Popcorn Reef was this double feature of Point Break and Prayer of the Roller Boys. Mm-hmm. Um. So the writer and director of Prayer of the Roller Boys, Peter Iliff and Rick King. Dr- peter wrote it and rick directed it um they went on to write point brick together Mm -hmm. um and i've always been a huge fan of theirs and a a fan of what both those movies represent as far as kind of capturing southern california culture especially during that era um and that was really a big part of um what i'm trying to do with popcorn reef is show films that capture whatever side of southern california there is like whether it be a crime film or serving culture or um, just general culture. Um, And so I had that idea as like, Oh, that would be cool to do this one day. And I, on a whim just kind of hit them up and they were willing to come down and actually talk about the films too. So to have them there was a huge honor. And it was also like, after that, I was like, what do I do next? Because honestly, like that was kind of like, (laughs) the original idea for all of Popcorn Reef to get to a certain threshold. So, yeah. um, so but I think there are plenty more screenings we can do, but um, yeah. yeah, that'd be my favorite so far, I'd say.
0: That's pretty awesome. And do you plan that, like to have more of that? Like, cause I know I think Cinematic Void does that a little bit, correct me if I'm wrong, where they have like either like cast, crew or, or directors like come in and talk yeah. and then watch the film or sometimes the Q&As after the film. Do you plan on doing more of that too? Like in your future screenings?
1: Yeah, at Cinematic Void, um, know since it's up in LA a lot of times most of you know the either the cast or the director or the writer or whatever is in town and they've been very generous with being able to come in and help with you know doing the Q&A and all that um so that's awesome and that's a big part of you know being up in LA and seeing those screenings I hope to continue to bring that down here I mean it depends on if you want to drive down here Mm
2: -hmm. I want to create
1: an environment where people are excited to come here and I think that I think that they will. Yeah. Um, I'm also always willing to do like video, uh, intros. We yeah. just did a show that you were helping out, yeah. at Gabby, uh, the movie orgy. And we got yeah. Joe Dante to film a video intro for us. Uh, before the show started because you couldn't make it down
0: the the intro with the dog in the in the video that was pretty hilarious
1: oh I didn't even hear that yeah
0: (laughs) yeah I think because you finished talking about um that you sometimes obviously some people can't come down you know down here to San Diego so you you'll try to do like video ones and then you mentioned the Joe Dante and I was I think that's where we we cut off because I was like it was hilarious like the intro for the movie orgy that you had (laughs)
1: Yeah, he filmed that. That was his own idea, of course, um, to yeah. have the dog on the intro. But that was really cool. And I'm really glad that we could do that screening because, um, you know, not a lot of venues are willing to do, you know, not even just in San Diego, but in general, the show, a five hour free screening movie. Yeah, and I'm really glad to be working with Jeff down at the uh, 10th Avenue Arts Center because he was all about it. And that's what we're trying to do at that venue specifically for like, you know, a subsection of our screenings is mm-hmm. being able to show movies that couldn't show, not even show anywhere, but like that that wouldn't get a chance anywhere else and do some really, really, you know, experimental off the wall stuff.
0: Yeah. Shout out to him, to Jeff uh, for that. That was pretty dope. Um, yeah. And I was going to say, too, like I think I kind of skipped a little bit, but I didn't ask you for those that um, are listening in um how did the name popcorn reef come out i know you told me a little bit but for those that don't know how did that name come up
1: yeah the idea i don't know exactly how it came up in the first place but yeah kind of the concept of it is you know i'm doing this by myself right now and i'm doing it in san diego and i'm trying to kind of re-evoke those feelings that we were talking about before of like giant larger than life spectacles and movies in the 90s 80s whatever it may be yeah. um but doing it on a micro scale of kind of being a one man band and doing it here in San Diego. So kind of the idea is to have that spectacle, but it's, you know, I'm not in Hollywood. I'm not doing it in a, um, in a giant, you know, industry or anything like that. It's kind of like just being able to keep the spirit of it alive while being on a little island. It's kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of
0: yeah, I like the a name. It's it's pretty, like, unique. I don't know. Like I just think about, like, uh, the movies and then, like, the beach or something, just because like, of the reef part.
1: <laughs> yeah, and plus, I wanted to come up with another a name that would hit in San Diego, because, you know, we're, we might as well add some kind of, like, San Diego-ness to that's what true. we're doing. That's the purpose, the uh, second, not the secondary purpose, the simultaneous purpose of it is to be a San Diego film screening thing, you know, that's specific for us here
0: yeah and what's um because right now we're in june and when this drops it might be like i don't know i think i said september or something or maybe august but um for those listening in when is like the like what do you have planned for the future like for this year um if any screenings that you can share
1: um we well i can tell you that i'm well i'll say this and if we might have to delete it if they not happening. Okay. Um, uh, in August, we're planning to be back at the 10th Avenue Arts Center, and we're going to be doing a double feature of TNT Jackson and Firecracker, which are two movies directed by Sirio Santiago, who is a Filipino um, exploitation director that worked with Roger Corman a lot in the 70s and the 80s. He cranked out a lot of awesome stuff, um, and these two movies – are like beat for beat the same exact film, like every part <laughs> of the plot line is the same thing, but yeah, it's a different movie. Um, so I thought it would be fun to have the experience of kind of watching them back to back on a double feature mm-hmm. just to kind of see if our brains explode while we watch it. <laughs> um, and that's another example of movies that we wouldn't get a shot anywhere else. That Jeff is letting a show at the uh, 10th Avenue Arts Center. That's um,
0: cool.
1: so that's, that's... happening.
0: What's the premise of those? Because I don't think I've, I've seen them. I don't think I have.
1: Um, both films are about, there's a woman who is on a revenge kick to try to figure out what's going on with a family member. And one of them, I believe it's like her sister and the other one, it's her brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, they're both Kung Fu and martial arts experts that mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of go into the underworld of crime to fight and understand what happened to their long lost uh, uh, family member. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Okay, <laughs> it's pretty cool. cool. Um, <laughs> I was other... say... Oh, yeah, go, we... ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. You going to say <laughs> any other things? Um,
1: we do. We're probably going to be doing a horror marathon of some sort in October. Okay. Um, and I don't know what venue that's going to be at, but that'll we're definitely planning on it. And I'm also planning on having a couple of guests stop by. Um, not for the horror marathon, maybe, but also during the uh, the horror season
0: okay
1: that'd be cool then, yeah I think that's that's all I can say for now because okay. I have a lot of ideas that I just need to make sure they're you yeah. know, confirmed.
0: okay Ooh. yeah that's cool that's exciting there's a lot of things still I mean there's still like we're half half the year so it's still a long ways to go and I'm pretty yep. sure more more plans hopefully Um, and talking about like horror films because um, obviously like the podcast is hip-hop and horror so I, I kind of wanted to ask you like what's your top five like horror movies that you oh, wow. or you go to
1: top five damn I don't have like a ready-made like top five (laughs) list um
0: whatever comes to mind
1: um Jesus uh (laughs) I'm gonna say what's coming to mind right now are a couple movies from the late 80s um from beyond and society oh
2: yeah Um,
1: and um from beyond in particular was you know going back to what I was saying before with kind of exploring my childhood fears or whatever I had never even heard of that movie until I was about 20. And um, when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, this is literally like something that would have come out of one of my nightmares when I was like that age, <laughs> when I was like four or five years old. And I don't know how, like, I, I don't know how I missed it. And I don't know how it was like so exact with like, just like even like the lighting of all in like, the bizarre, like just what the hell is this type of stuff? Like, yeah, those are a couple of my favorites. I mean, probably my favorite You know, as far as like this is like an awesomely structured and uh, it resonates with me movie, I'd say is an American Werewolf in London. I love that movie. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I know there are funny parts to it. I don't know why people always deem it as a horror comedy, or they want to like they almost try to like belittle it as a horror comedy. It goes on a real horror. I find it incredibly disturbing, and I don't find it funny. I mean, there's humorous things in it. So maybe you know catching on something that most people aren't, but I really enjoy it. It bothers the hell out of me as so I don't watch it that much. <laughs> it's one of my favorite horror movies for sure. Um, evil dead Two is another standby. I mean, that's like yeah. a classic. Everyone loves that, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I'd say that's definitely in the top five for me. And then let's see, we can round it out with something classy. Um, <laughs> geez. Uh, <laughs> honestly i don't know maybe i can just have four for now (laughs) yeah those are good
0: choices yeah an american werewolf in london is my top one too just because i love it because like the werewolf transformation i feel like for the time it was one of the best ones and it still holds up i think compared to like the newer ones and i love the fun fact too that um that movie is what inspired the thriller music video because john landis actually directed the thriller music video for those that are listening and they might not know but i thought it was really cool that he felt like michael jackson loved that movie and he was like i want this guy to like direct it and i want to do some sort of like you know stuff yeah. with like a transformation in my video and i was like oh, that's pretty cool so i like that one fright night like the 80s version is one of my favorites okay. a great choice. um what's another one I like, it's not like a favorite, like I wouldn't say it's top five, but like just comes to mind is like, um, just Friday the 13th. I, I don't have like a specific one. If anything, if I had to pick, I think I'd say like part seven, just because I like the look in that one, where the he, he versus the psychic, the carry or whatever. Nice. Um, and then I love scream. I don't know. I just, uh, I feel like it's one of those movies I go to a lot. Um, like the first and the second one. And then the newer one was actually pretty decent. Um, I like that one. That's what three, yeah. right? Or is that four?
1: I think that's four. Yeah,
0: because it was American Werewolf in London, Fright Night, yeah, Friday the Thirteenth, Scream, and then I'm trying to think what else. I'm like trying to look back here, like it goes. Sometimes it change, but like maybe like From dust Till Dawn. Like I don't know if you see Satanico oh. like right behind me, like right here, a yeah, <laughs> little Drawing. Oh, okay, I it's can the see it. Satanic Yeah, I love that film. Um, okay. I just love the the um, mythology of it, and like I don't know if you ever watched the TV show on Netflix. Like uh, Robert Rodriguez continued like the whole. Mythology, and I thought it was just interesting because it kind of goes with like my roots, like Mexican roots. So I thought it was cool how really? they interwove that into the story.
1: I've been looking forward to watching that, and I haven't seen it yet. So oh, I'm watch
0: you it. The only thing is like disappointing is that it got canceled. It supposedly was gonna go on a hiatus, but it just never came back. <laughs> so I was like, oh, was so sad. Um, and they have a good cast too. They have, I mean, all the the same. You know how like uh, what's it called, Adam Sandler? How he's he the same cast. I feel like Robert Rodriguez does the same thing where he has like Cheech yeah. Marin. Danny Trejo, you know, like <laughs> all like the yeah, the OGs Indiana. are in there, so it's pretty cool. And then um, who is uh, was uh, Walmer Valderrama, which was weird. He's like plays kind of like a villain um, nice. in the show. So yeah, it's pretty good. Um, definitely... Yeah, check it out and let me know when you when you do because I I thought I was it was a really good good show. Cool. Um, what else did I have here? Um, I was gonna say too, what advice? Because um, like you said, there is also like the fun aspect of doing screenings, but there's also, you know, like the the hard parts where you have to like actually do the, the screening, making sure everything runs smoothly. For you, what yeah. advice would you give to someone that's maybe trying to get into like screening films?
1: You know, I would say so far, because I'm still relatively new at doing this, um, mm-hmm. I would say the biggest advice I would have given myself, you know, looking back on it so far is definitely can uh, always have in your head exactly i mean and it's hard to define it but exactly what you want to do and what you want to accomplish out of something and then if you know that i would definitely try to find people like you know at the venue you're going to work with that share that goal in some way
2: Mm
1: -hmm. make sure that you know there's an alignment of vision um because if that's not the case then you might go in different directions and you want to make sure that there's some there's definitely an overlap in what the goal is and what you know what you want this to be. That's that's it.
0: Yeah. Good advice, yeah. Cause I know it's like sometimes people like want to jump into it and like if you're not really like organized or like you said have something like in mind of what your vision, um, then you yeah. know, it might you might have a uh, bumps along the road. Um and then before we like move on to like your, you know, journalistic journey, I kinda wanna ask you like um a couple horror more horror questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's like your favorite um, horror villain and why
1: favorite horror villain Jesus. Yeah, or oh. icon <laughs> that's a really good question and that was another one that I had absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I did not prepare to answer <laughs> um.
0: I've had some good ones too because I've had some people say like characters that I don't even really think of like somebody said uh, one of my last guests said the guy from Needful Things I forgot the guy's name, the one that plays like the devil. I was like, Oh, that's a good one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um Jesus. Honestly, <laughs> honestly. I don't know if I have an answer. I can tell you that I, you know, I don't know. I think we talked about this before, but I've I've been a little unconvinced with Michael Myers as a villain <laughs> um over the years. Like <laughs> I I've never really connected with the original Halloween series as far as him being scary. I like the movies, of course, but yeah, yeah. I've never really. It's almost like it's scary because I'm missing something, or something like that. That kind of yeah. is how I felt. Yeah. Um, and I and then I have the unpopular opinion of me. I liked the Rob Zombie take on oh, I like not too because you got to learn why and who he is. I think that I, I resonate with movies when you kind of know what the character is and then you kind of go on that journey with them as opposed to it being a mystery. Yeah. Um, and I do think that David Gordon Green and the team with the new Halloween movies kind of found a balance between the two a little bit, especially in the first of the new trilogy. Yeah. And I, loved, um, I, that movie, the first one in the new trilogy was the only one that actually really rocked me. Like and actually scared me after the fact. So yeah. I'd say Michael Myers has improved over the years a little bit. I um, <laughs> no, he'd be my favorite. Let me let me think of a favorite. Um, can we cut a little bit of those out? Yeah, <laughs> we can.
0: We can. <laughs> like, um, I'll, I'll save mine if you want. While you yeah, think of yours. Weird. Like for me, it's it's um, Jason Voorhees. I don't know if you see him in the background, but I, I don't know. I like. It's not that I find him scary or anything. I just thought he was like I don't know it was dope. Like the the mask. I mean, like, a lot of rap icons I've used, like, was it Ghostface who uses the mask or whatever? But I don't know. I like it because I grew up watching him. I think it was one of the first, like, slashers I watched. So, I think it has, like, a special, like, nostalgia. And oh, so, right. I just, like, gravitate towards him. I just think he's dope. And then I just found out he's a Gemini like me. So, I was like, okay, he's cool.
1: <laughs> you know, I I mean, I have a non-horror uh, take. It's not, I don't okay. think it's a horror film. I consider it a horror film, but... Have you ever seen the movie Romeo is Bleeding with Gary Oldman? Sounds and familiar.
0: Lena. I don't think I've seen it though.
1: And um, I just, I think that Lena Olin's character in that like is just like really, really terrifying and scares me more than like any horror movie I've ever seen.
2: Okay, She's kind got like this
1: amalgamation of like hit of Gary Oldman, who's a crooked cop in the film, uh-huh. like his like twisted side and like the devil coming to haunt him all at the same time. And, uh-huh really like bothered me for days after i'd I'd say that you know at least of you know the recent past that'd be my favorite
0: okay what was it called romeo is bleeding
1: the movie called romeo is bleeding yeah
0: okay I'll, i'll check that one out um and then what's what about like your favorite um like final girl of the of a horror film
1: final girl um that's a good question I like jill sholin and the stepfather i don't know if that's a final girl because it's not necessarily a slasher like horror, movie
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> I, that she i don't know she resonated with me a lot um yeah. and i enjoy that movie i think she kind of fits that mold really well
2: yeah
1: um i would say i liked i don't know what her name is but in terrifier 2 i really liked oh, the take, yeah. on um, the main girl in that i think she did a really good job and that was a fun movie
0: yeah i have i just I put up the it all poster.
1: Time. just talking off the top of my head i thought that was really something cool
0: yeah, she's really dope. Yeah, I like the costume too that they gave her, uh, that she wore, like the angel wings and thing. That was pretty dope. Um, and what about um as far as like um I think I I don't know if I had because I wanted to do like a quick trivia, because I kind of want to mix it up too, like the because I've been I asked like uh, questions, but I'm like oh we could have do trivia, so I started doing it in the last episode, couple episodes, but I'll do them real quick because some of them are like horror related. So, um I feel free to let me know if you don't know it. Um, so the I, I try to do easy ones because the last time I felt like I went too hard, and the guy was like, I don't know." I was like, okay for the um, harder ones
1: be <laughs> the one get and the easy ones, be like right? ones uh
0: what what film um was where the character was famously famously known for asking, "Do you like scary movies?" I think it's an easy one, but.
1: screen, right Yeah,
0: yeah hey. and, <laughs> and uh what rapper was in the movie on Anaconda? Cube. okay <laughs> all right uh and then i'll do two more these are hip-hop though um the other one is how old is hip-hop churning this year
2: 50 i believe right
0: yes and then the last one here uh what was the name of the game's debut album in 2005
1: the documentary
0: yeah <laughs> okay i try to make it easier this time because well, I feel like I really... <laughs> I
1: <I'd> be...
0: <laughs> yeah one of the questions <laughs> i asked last time was um which you probably might know because you're like a fan of like me of like directors and stuff. so i was like who was the director of the texas chainsaw massacre Toby hooper okay yeah yeah um yeah so i just kind of added that because i was like it mixes things up you know for the interview so it's not just all like serious question after question right. um and then talking about you know like hip-hop and all that stuff Like I said, when I was kind of looking you up and like doing my research, um, I saw that you used to be, you know, like a journalist kind of slash music editor. Um, and you kind of contributed a lot to like the West coast music here or music scene, right? Um, how did that come about? Like, how did that journey start?
1: So I've always been, um, a big West coast hip hop fan. And I think that journey for me started, um, I'm, I'm originally from the Oxnard area up a little bit north and, um my family moved, we moved when I was like three years old, we moved over to the East coast for about five years. Um, and then I moved back here when I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of move took a lot of, um, I think it took a toll on me and I was kind of trying to find like a, something to latch onto here. And I don't know how it happened, but I, what I ended up latching onto was, um, like power 106 and the music (laughs) they were playing in the late nineties. Um, So like we would go back and forth because we were living in San Diego, but we would go up to my grandparents um, in Oxnard and Power 106 being in L.A. We would I don't don't think my parents would let me listen to that, but I was listening to it somehow (laughs) when we were going back and forth, like on the weekends when we first moved here. And that was right at the time when um, Power 106 had started playing more West Coast hip hop on the air. And there was um, I mean, it was DJ Quick that was really hitting at the beginning, like for me and even before I knew about Tupac and Snoop and all that, like I was, became the biggest DJ quick fan. Um, So I just like um, really got into that music back then. And then I, you know, it continued on through my teenage years and I was like number one fan of, you know, anything West coast hip hop and was really into the online forum boards and all that, where people would talk about it. Mm -hmm. So when I was in college at SDSU I ended up, I ended up starting to do, album reviews for a website called dubcnn.com because I was an active member on their forum and they were looking for someone to do that. And the opportunity arose to um, interview DJ Quick because (laughs) a lot of the people that worked there were um, based overseas and they were looking for somebody to kind of do stuff that was available. And DJ Quick was doing a concert in San Diego with Bone Thugs and Harmony. Um, So they had like an access to it and they're like, hey, do you want to go and interview DJ Quick? And I'm like, Hell yeah, like, <laughs> do I want to be my favorite rapper? Yeah, <laughs> um, so me and one of my best friends went over there and we, I got to interview DJ quick and I didn't know what the hell I was doing at all. Um, <laughs> and I think AMG was there too. Um, oh, well. <laughs> uh, and so I interviewed these guys and then, like, this was all in one, one night. Like, um, this dude pulled me aside after and was like, this really surly guy, and he's like, hey interview this guy too and i'm like okay like mm-hmm. sure you got it man and it ended up being um j-rock and oh, wow. he did just time to Warner music i believe the time um and he was coming out on the scene but he had just recorded a couple of tracks with dj quick and quick was helping to promote him by kind of taking him along on the tour i don't even think he performed that night but so i interviewed j-rock and then his friend that was just hanging out with him i was like hey dude are you a rapper too can i interview you too and he's like yeah and that ended up being Kendrick Lamar. Um, oh, wow. And so we, we were all three of us were probably around the same age at the same time. And we were kind of hanging out in the background the rest of the night, watching the show. Um, <laughs> but that was my first day. In, and then it was so fun and so cool that, you know, I talked to the guys at Dub CNN and I was able to be kind of like the guy on the floor here, um, you know, going up to LA and interviewing people. But then it kind of turned into more than that pretty quickly mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was kind of around, I had, I was majoring in marketing at the time, but I think I've always had kind of an instinct for it.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: um, you know, we would work on plans for someone had a new album coming out. Hey, when are we going to drop the single? Let's record this interview. Let's talk about these things. Let's do a behind the scenes thing. Mm-hmm. And so I worked with all sorts of, you know, pretty much everybody, I think in the Los Angeles hip hop scene. Um, and this was between 27 and 20. 2007 and
2: 2010
1: yeah um and then from there i ended up meeting uh damian young Demiza, who um was the program director of power 106 in the 90s and he had just recently retired um but he took me under his wing and really taught me everything not everything but he taught me a lot of what he knew about um working with artists and Mm. I was kind of doing what he was doing on a very micro scale, scale of working on a website rather than running the biggest radio station in the country.
2: Yeah.
1: But um, it was really a lot of help. Um, and it was really cool. And I learned a ton about marketing and networking and PR and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah. And then I also co-wrote his memoir with him because he yeah. was working. On it. So yeah. I written by him in his voice, but I did some of the writing of it, yeah. you know, of capturing cool. his voice and all that. yeah yeah, that's the majority of what I did and it was a lot of fun and we premiered a lot of singles that was back when um, it was before even like that piff was really that big okay Um, I don't even know if that's a thing anymore because I'm not really into it as much (laughs)
2: yeah
1: um, this was back when people were putting out mixtapes and then we really kind of graduated to doing what we called street albums which were full albums worth of material that these guys were just kind of waiting to put their major label album out. So they would put out a new album of tracks in the meantime to kind of keep the fans excited. So this was, it was right when like Twitter was just starting and it was back when, like when you had a website, it was actually kind of meant something and it was (laughs) something checking out. It was an interesting like hybrid time because now it's everything's so oversaturated, but we were able to kind of create a little, um, network within these websites that we did to have people be excited about coming on it and being able to premiere something and let it be something that um kind of had its own scene so i you know i think looking back on it a lot of the artists that i work with ended up not having their um major label albums end up coming out which is a damn shame because they were the next generation of west coast hip-hop and really what ended up happening was Kind of like backpack type rap became more popular because there were more um, blogs that popped up, and then suddenly the labels could quantify how many users were on and downloading stuff, as opposed to like what was popular in the streets, which yeah. I think is how a lot of West Coast hip hop artists got on in the first place.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: So it it kind of changed the game, and there were a lot of incredibly talented guys that you know, now live through these you know, like street album eras of like, Oh yeah, I remember that track even though it wasn't on the radio
2: mm-hmm. and even
1: though it wasn't on M T V or B E T. Um but, you know, I still listen to that music too. And yeah. it was a really interesting time, but it was really cool.
0: That's pretty cool. It kinda of reminded me, I don't know if you're um if you've seen it too, I think it's like a new like a podcast that dropped maybe like a week or two ago. It's called The Blog Era and it talks a little bit about like, how the the scene changed once the blogs, like, and how it impacted, like, hip-hop, which is interesting. I haven't seen it or heard it yet, but I heard it's really good. It kind of just reminded me right now you're talking about that.
1: I'll to um, check that out. Yeah, it sounds like what happened.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of cool, like, that you were kind of, like, in the in the scene, like, 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 you said, like, seeing all these younger artists who are now, like, big, like you said, like, Kendrick Lamar and stuff like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, like, who was your favorite... I'll say like, I'll say it too. It's like, who was your favorite, like OG that you interviewed and why? And then who was like a new upcoming artist that maybe now is like a bigger artist, but like at the time, like was cool to interview and why?
1: Yeah, um, I would say OG guy. My favorite was DJ Quick. And I'm not even saying that just because he's my favorite rapper, but yeah. like he really is that cool. And he was mm-hmm. really a funny guy and he's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. And he was really awesome to me. I've interviewed him a couple times on just the like, the first yeah. day I started, um, and he really kind of you know lived up to whatever. How, you know, it's kind of weird to meet your idols and stuff like that. But yeah. he one of them that has really, um, really that's lived cool. up to that. Warren G is also a really nice guy, um, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of fun working with him. Um, And as far as the newer guys, um, I really had a lot of fun working with Bishop Lamont, um, oh, who was signed cool. to Dr. Gray. Yeah. Uh, and we worked a lot together on coming up with strategy and that type of stuff, me and him and Damien along, along the way there. And he was one of the bigger artists at that time. Cause he was about to drop through Dre. It was going to be like, you know, it was the game and then him. Yeah. Um, and he did a lot of stuff to try to, you know, he recorded hundreds of songs that he ended up putting out and it was, and they're all to me, you know, I still think of them as like an album that never was, but could, should be considered albums um so he was awesome and gotta give a big shout out to um demrick at the time we called him young d um but he was part of a group called tangled thoughts um that corrupt helped put on and he came out from philly um and he worked with me me and him worked on a radio show together um called the west coast grind we co-hosted it and damien produced it and we had a dj ill will was our dj for it um and we would interview guests uh weekly on there but He's an amazing rapper, and he's um, really talented as a host, and just does a whole bunch of different things. And he was a lot of fun to hang out with, a lot of fun to work with.
0: That's pretty cool. Like, what's like your standout moment? Like, you know, being in that in that hip hop scene. Like, what was your standout moment besides the interviews and all that?
1: Hmm. You know, one well, one standout moment was I think that the studio is closed now, but I was at um can am uh which was a very famous studio in la that like pock recorded all eyes on me at and stuff yeah. it was a really cool studio and i got to be there one time i think it was with bishop recording something uh-huh. and um warren g was there and i got to hang out and kind of watch a laker game with them so yeah. that was pretty cool. <laughs> um,
2: pretty cool
1: and there were a lot of studio sessions that um damien orchestrated over at this um studio in burbank that they called area 51 Um, which was a state-of-the-art studio and Mm -hmm. um one of the times or for a couple weeks actually i think um they got to be able to orchestrate recording sessions for detox um the dr dre album that didn't end up coming out but like everybody was rolling through to record songs dre wasn't there yeah but they were recording kind of like demo tracks like even like to theoretically have Dre rap this track, they would rap over it, like, like Dre and stuff. And Uh met so many producers, like, I remember having a really good conversation with Jelly Roll, um, a producer who does a lot of stuff for Exhibit. And he did, like, On the Boulevard by Dr. Dre and Snoop. Um, And, you know, all the younger guys were there. But then, like, some of the OG guys came, too. And it was, Mm -hmm. like, a really cool time of unity and, like... An exciting thing where people were like hey we can you know if detox comes out you know it could be like 2001 again um that came out so everyone kind of banded together and and was working on that stuff and a lot of incredible music came out of it too yeah i still have some of it um I can't, I can't share that
0: <laughs> uh, well hey at least you have it for yourself for your private collection <laughs> um and what what made you like kind of leave that the scene um like or like you know kind of distance yourself from that and not do it anymore
1: yeah um you know I don't really I got kind of tired of doing the interviews and stuff like that like because really the main thing I was doing on a day-to-day basis was I started my own website after I left dub CNN and I was doing um interviews and we'd have like the single drops and all that type of stuff and I it just wasn't after I've done it so many times it wasn't really like fulfilling and yeah. I do miss it now and I would like to do a little more of that and yeah you know even now with the film screenings I am kind of doing that because I get to interview again but I think I had learned enough from um you know my idols and from everyone with this music and it, it just ended up becoming more of like a grind and like more mm-hmm. like a I gotta do this and I really wanted to after I wrote the um I helped write the book with Damien, um, I wanted to pursue something a little bit more creative. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know that I like could write something, and then I wanted to kind of, you know, explore that. So I've been and I continue to work on writing, I've been writing screenplays for a long time too. So
2: um,
1: that kind of has fulfilled that outlet for me. But the other thing that, you know, was the harsh reality of this whole thing is that like at around this time like this is when like like i was explaining before those blogs kind of shifted things and it wasn't as like um potent or like um impactful to do these types of things because of the way that west coast hip-hop was kind of like dying on the pine because of the powers that be in the major labels so there wasn't as much stuff to cover um and That wasn't a conscious choice for me at that time but looking back on it that kind of it it kind of ended up being around that time that kind of things a little bit dropped off but
0: okay that's cool though like um like the the impact and stuff like that and getting to know like these artists is that that's pretty cool um and for you like talking about like rappers like either what's your top five like hip-hop albums or or rappers whichever one you prefer
1: okay um i think i'll do top five albums okay Um, i'll do uh and i don't know if this would be in any necessarily particular order but um i would go with dj quick rhythmalism that's probably my favorite album if i had to pick an album and all eyes on me is my other favorite album and it's probably most people's favorite album but um then i would go with uh Life in 1472 by Jermaine Dupri. And I know that's not a West Coast hip hop album, but that just, for whatever reason, personally, I've probably listened to that album more than anything else. <laughs> um, Let's see. Rounding out the top five here. It has to be all hip hop albums? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I would pick... Give me just a second, because I... You have
0: two more.
1: I'm gonna go with Dub C, the shadiest one. I think that's just a really awesome album from start to finish. Okay. Um, and then I have one more. I'm gonna pick TQ. They never saw me coming, even though that's technically an R&B album. But <laughs> I do feel like it has enough hip hop in it to yeah. <laughs> count in something. And that movie, that uh, said movie, it is like a movie. That the album, <laughs> you know, just blows my mind every time I listen to it, and it was really pioneering and at the time and since, because I don't think anyone has been able to sing like that and be as you know gangster as that i mean Nate yeah. Dog too but,
0: that's true um
1: yeah
0: cool cool choices about you? uh mine's always changing i think um the college dropout i don't know i, I love kanye so i know it's like unpopular opinion with all this stuff that he's done but like i think he's still like a genius so the college dropout because i played it a lot i i, I feel like um okay. common uh, Finding Forever probably would be that one, or the B album, one of those two. Hmm. Uh, what's another one? Biggie, I think Life After Death. Is, I play it a little bit more than Ready to Die. That's okay. three, right? That's three. Three. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day. There was two. What's the other one that I had? Um, i trying to think. It was Kanye, Common. Oh, Eminem. I think, like, I like the Eminem show. I feel like that was his last best album, in my opinion. And then uh, the Marshall Matters LP. Yeah. So those will be it. Yeah,
1: You go with two Eminem ones?
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll choose those two because I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, let me see. Because I, I always go to, like, my top five rappers, and that's how I kind of, like, figure out, like, who, who else did I miss? obviously like yeah tupac probably i would put up there too i don't know if it's all eyes on me or me against the world one of the one of those two cuz i like yeah. like the tracks like it's kind of hard to like pick i think with him cuz he has like good tracks on both albums you know totally yeah good uh, <laughs> thank you uh and then before we get out of here um i usually like to end it with this question what's uh what kind of legacy would you like to leave behind either creatively or or personally
1: that's a really good question. Um, creatively, I think that, you know, contributing to the zeitgeist, if you will, of Southern California culture, I want to leave some sort of lasting impact. I mean, I think I've done that a little bit tangentially so far, mm-hmm. um, but I want to have like things that I've specifically created be part of that too. That's I'd say that's my goal with that. And I'd be pretty happy leaving that as a legacy behind. And personally, I just, you know, want people that I know to, you know, think of me as a, someone they can rely on and someone they can, you know, trust and that we can, you know, continue to do good things together.
0: Dope. Yeah. yeah and like I said, uh, keep doing what you're doing as far as, like you know, the film screen, whatever you do creatively, feel free, you know, if you ever want to promote or even come back. I always tell people, like, feel free to come back and, and you know, we'll talk about any other things that you got going on. And I appreciate yeah. your time and like, you know, sharing your journey. Cause it's really interesting. Like, I think you're like kind of like a, one of the, I call them like a perfect guest because you have a little bit of like horror kind of background as far as like, you know, the film screenings, which you do more than horror, you do other type of genres, but that, and then also like the hip hop side to your story, which is really interesting. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to share or shout out before we get out of here?
1: I just want to say thank you for having me on Gabby and you've been a great host. And this was really fun to kind of yeah. recount these things and, put it out there it's pretty cool
0: (laughs) yeah now you have it you know like I think one of uh, our friends that we had on another on the other podcast I have he said how he didn't really think about like him filming himself is kind of like a legacy I guess he's leaving for his kids because like they'll go back and watch like his dad and I was like oh yeah that's really interesting like so it's kind of like we're kind of like you know recording like your journey and you can always show it to like a family member you have end up having kids like they can kind of see like how your journey's been you know it's pretty interesting
1: yeah i'm looking forward to
0: that yeah yeah well uh thank you again and for those you know tuning in go ahead and follow popcorn reef i'll go ahead and put his ig on the description and anything that he has going on i'll I'll share on there because like i said this might drop in the future uh probably august or september uh but yeah thank you guys for tuning in subscribe share like all that would be appreciated And thank you again eddie for being on Thank you, Gabby. All righty. Take care.